scripture text I'll be sharing with you is from Galatians 5.22 through verses 23. It's interesting, when Eric asked if I could preach, I was already working on uh, a sermon similar uh, for another congregation that I was preaching at while I was on vacation. And when he told me what the theme was, I was just going, interesting. That it's the same thing that I felt like God wanted me to share with that other congregation. Let me just read to you from the book of Galatians. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Amen. Thank you, Lord God. Now, it seems like we've been in a pretty interesting political season and in light of what has been happening in politics the last several years, and I keep asking myself the question that maybe you guys might be asking yourself, uh, do you have to sacrifice good character for success? I'll just mention that there is an outline for the sermon that's right before the songs. If you, you know, are interested in seeing what's going on, I uh, want to make sure that I don't get off track. You can just throw something at me. It looks like it, I do. Because our world right now, and uh, this is really nothing new, seems to promote a belief that the ends justify the means. But oftentimes, the ends that people pursue often seem as corrupt as the means. But can you be a good person who does good things and still succeed? And I believe that we can. The Word of God, I believe, shows us that we can. I believe that we can succeed in life without having to compromise the quality of our relationship with God or the quality of our relationship with others. And that is also a challenge that I believe the Holy Spirit presents to the Galatians. Through Paul, the Holy Spirit exhorts the Galatians to persevere in pursuing holiness and not give up. But is that possible in our world and culture today? To succeed without compromising our character. And I believe the Holy Spirit says that we can do that. In verse 9 of chapter 6, it says this, And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. I believe the reason the Galatians were challenged to persevere in doing good is because the devil was pressuring them to sacrifice godly character for ungodly success. For instance, think of some of the ways that we're challenged in that. Uh, that we're commanded in various ways by God, just take um, the command not to lie. But what if lying helps you get what you want? Like an A on a test. Or it helps you favorably close a business deal. Or it gets you elected. Or keeps you out of trouble. Or, as like some of my cousins were pretty good at, the women were, kept them from getting a ticket or a fine. 
Scripture makes it clear that our true character in Christ shows in our obedience to God and doing the good things of God even when no one is looking. (coughs) Allergies, I apologize. And every day we are constantly faced with one of two different choices. Either choices that draw us deeper into the love of God and His will for our lives, or choices that lead us away from intimacy with God and God's will for our lives. So living in obedience to God is definitely something where we will need the Holy Spirit's help and power. And the Holy Spirit, through Paul, teaches the Galatians how the Holy Spirit empowers God's grace in our lives. But I have uh, just a couple of comments I want to make about this passage before we go on. And I'll mention about what we need to know in keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Number one is this. It is not fruits of the Spirit, plural, but it is fruit of the Spirit, singular. (coughs) And I believe the reason why it says the fruit of the Spirit is singular because it springs from just one root only, the Holy Spirit of God. And all of these qualities are meant to be in unity with each other, just as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in unity with each other. You cannot and are not to try and separate these fruit from one another, kind of like walking down the Sporgismore line and saying, well, I like this, but I don't like that. So, you know, I guess I can let this part of the fruit of the Spirit be left aside. A second thing that I just want to mention about the fruit of the Spirit in this passage is that they appear to be grouped in threes. Now, this just may be, in what I've noticed, I've gone through this passage plenty of times, but here is what I believe are the groupings. Here's group number one. Love, joy, and peace, which I believe points to our relationship with God. Group number two, patience, kindness, goodness, which I believe is not that it's not important to our relationship with God, but I believe it's essential in our relationship with others. And then the third group, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, which I believe points to our relationship within ourselves and even with the world. But what I'm going to do is look first at how the Holy Spirit gives us grace in our relationship with God. Think of those three words, love, joy, peace. Now back in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, The Holy Spirit makes this statement through Paul. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is part of the discussion on whether we will live by law or live by grace. That is, when we obey God, will we do it out of our love for God and freely choose to obey? Or are we only obeying out of a sense of obligation because we want to earn God's favor or maybe because we fear we'll be punished by God? 
I don't know if you've ever heard anybody say this before. One of the reasons why they don't want to go into church is because they're afraid the ceiling will collapse. There's a story I came across that someone used to try to explain grace. And I think it may be helpful in understanding that grace is about choosing to love. It was about a husband and a wife who apparently, I guess, didn't really love each other. The man was very demanding, so much so that he prepared a list of rules and regulations for his wife to follow. All I can say is in the entire Italian-Irish heritage, that wouldn't go over very well. He insisted that she read these uh, rules that he made for her every day and obey them to the letter. Among other things, his do's and don'ts indicated such details as what time she had to get up in the morning, when his breakfast should be served, and how the housework should be done. Well, after several long and demanding years, the husband died. And as time passed, the woman fell in love with another man, one who dearly loved her. And soon they were married. The husband did everything he could to make his new wife happy, continually showering her with tokens of his appreciation. But one day while she was cleaning the house, she found tucked away in a drawer the list of the commands that her first husband had drawn up for her. <laughs> As she looked it over, it dawned on her that even though her present husband had not given her any kind of a list or made any such kind of demands, she was actually doing everything her first husband's list required anyway as a response to his love for her. She realized that she was so devoted to this man because of his love for her that her deepest desire was to please him out of love, not obligation. And the same is true in our love response to God's love for us. As we surrender to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, love, joy, peace, our character qualities, the Holy Spirit grows within us, along with our obedience to God. God's grace changes the way we relate to God. But the Holy Spirit also gives us grace in our relationship with others. Think of these three words. Patience, kindness, goodness. Now, the Holy Spirit says something similar through Paul in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Listen to this. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Did you notice that it says, if possible? <laughs> and I believe that's because both life and history show us that not everybody can get along with each other. But by the grace that God gives us in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can help us with the so far as it depends on you, even if we have conflict with other Christians. There's a story told about two pastors that were in conflict. 
that I think that might help us better understand this verse. Most of you may know who Charles Spurgeon is, but during the same time period in the 19th century, there was actually another famous preacher in London, and they both had churches, I guess, not too far from one another. And on one particular occasion, Parker commented on the poor condition of children admitted to Spurgeon's orphanage. He was not criticizing it, but you know how things get around. It was reported to Spurgeon that Parker had criticized the orphanage itself. So guess what Spurgeon did? That next Sunday, Spurgeon blasted Parker from the pulpit. And the attack was printed in the newspapers and became the talk of the town. So what do people do? The next Sunday, everybody flocked to Parker's church to see what he was going to do and how he would respond. But here is what they heard instead from Parker. He said this, I understand Dr. Spurgeon is not in his pulpit today. And this is the Sunday they used to take an offering for the orphanage. I suggest we take a love offering here instead. The crowd was so delighted by what he said that the ushers had to empty the collection plates three times. Can you ever imagine that in a church? Later that week, there was a knock at Parker's study. It was Spurgeon who said, You know, Parker, you have practiced grace on me. You have given me not what I deserved. You have given me what I needed. People will do things that will test our godly character. I know mine is often tested when I drive. And when that happens... We have to choose what it is we want people to see shining through our lives. <coughs> the character of Christ or the character of our anger. Yet the power of the Holy Spirit can release the grace of God's patience, kindness, and goodness into our lives so that even when people treat us in a way they should not, through God's grace, we can respond with God's character rather than our own. God's grace can change how we relate to God. And God's grace can change how we treat others. But finally, there's one more way that I want to talk about. We're going to look at how the Holy Spirit gives us grace to overcome our world. Think of these three words. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. I believe that there is an Old Testament text that can help us understand this. It comes from Zechariah 4.6. And this is God uh, speaking through an angel to Zerubbabel. Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now, I began the sermon talking about how the devil will keep pressuring us 
to sacrifice godly character for ungodly success. And we are in a battle, <coughs> much as Zerubbabel was, while trying to serve God. Part of the uh, context for this goes into the book of Nehemiah and Ezra, where Zerubbabel is the high priest during the time of the restoration of what's going on in Jerusalem. And if you don't think there wasn't pressure on him and the people from both inside and out, read through those books again to see what was going on. And just like Zerubbabel, we will need the power of God's grace expressed through faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control to overcome the devil's battle to dominate us. I believe how we deal this, with this battle against the devil is something like an article I read that was published in the National Geographic. Now, I know this is going to sound like a strange way. Bear with me. But it's about the Alaskan bull moose. Anybody ever seen one up close? Those things are huge. I used to go canoeing up in Canada, and we would be uh, taking our canoes and our backpacks through these trails. Man, just the female boost, the cows were huge. My brother-in-law shot one a couple of years ago where the uh, rack of the antlers were 54 and a half inches across and about this tall. Amazing size. But it says that the Alaskan bull moose makes battle for dominance during the fall breeding season. He literally goes head-to-head with antlers crunching together as they collide. And often the antlers, their only weapons are broken, which ensures their defeat. And basically the article talked about how the heftiest moves with the largest and strongest antlers triumphs. So they said, therefore, the battle fought in the fall is really won during the summer when the moose eat continually. Now, I'm not endorsing obesity, I'm just saying that they have to strengthen themselves. And the one that consumes the best diet for growing antlers and gaining weight will be the heavyweight in the fight. Those who eat inadequately have weaker antlers and less bulk. So what's the lesson for us? Think about this. Spiritual battles await us. Satan will choose a season to attack. But will we be victorious or will we fail? Because much of what we need and depend upon is what we do now before the war begins. Have you ever been caught surprised by a conflict? The strength of how we handle those things precede that with what we're already doing in our relationship with God. And it was the same thing for the, um, for the bull moose. It's this principle of enduring faith Strength and wisdom for trials are best developed before they are needed. And an important part of our bulking up to overcome Satan and our world begins now. That's why it's so important not to neglect our gathering together in church, to pray with other believers, to consistently pray and read the Word of God. We must yield daily to the desires of the Holy Spirit so that the power of God's grace will produce a growing strength 
of faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Think of what we've talked about. God's grace can change how we relate to God. God's grace can change how we treat one another. And God's grace can give us the strength to overcome in our world. But how do we grow in God's grace? I'm going to look quickly at again at each of these three areas and just offer you some quick thoughts. And the first one is this. We have to choose to abide in the love, joy, and peace of Christ. In John 15, 4, think about what Jesus said. He said, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Think about that. This particular part of the fruit of of Jesus' character can only be grown by planting ourselves down in Jesus' presence. Now, something I've had to learn the hard way is to understand the difference between being a human doing and being a human being. Now, what does that mean? Well, in my prayer times, there's this constant temptation I face with the Lord. It's to get my prayer list done. I get together with God, I blast Him with within my list, and I take off. Versus what I've been learning through the years of God's desire simply for me to be with Him. A human doing is only interested in what God does for us. A human being is interested in being with God, planting ourselves in the Lord. And again, think about this. Do plants grow by pulling on them or by letting them abide in the soil? One is weeding and the other is nurturing. And with Jesus, are you more of a human doing or a human being? Second thing, we need to choose to have healthier relationships. Patience, kindness, goodness. Have you ever noticed that good relationships often don't just happen? Think of marriages. The amount of work that it goes in to build a strong relationship. Ones that last are forgiving. And think of those three characteristics in a marriage. Patience, kindness, and goodness. How do you think that helps grow the marriage relationship? How do you think that grows friendships? But if we choose to keep abiding in the presence of Jesus... Even in times when we have relationship difficulty, then think of how the character of Jesus' patience, kindness, and goodness show up. And we have that choice. Either we can gratify the desire of the flesh, which when somebody done us wrong, we want to get back and just think of vengeance, or we can practice grace, kind of like what Parker did with Spurgeon. Last thing, we need to choose to overcome in our world. Think again of these three qualities. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Think about Jesus' faithfulness when Jesus was given the cup of obedience in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus faithfully drank 
what the Father gave him rather than abandoning his call. He remained faithful. Think about Jesus' gentleness. Another meaning of the word gentleness is strength under control. When Jesus faced the fiery ordeal of his arrest and crucifixion, do you remember what he said after Peter whipped out the sword and cut off the uh, chief priest's servant's ear? He said, don't you think I could call down 10,000 legions of angels? But yet Jesus remained obedient. And then think about Jesus' self-control. This always gets me. The night before Jesus was arrested, he knew what was going to be happening to him. And rather than throwing a pity party for himself, Jesus is comforting, encouraging, and preparing his own followers for the sufferings that Jesus himself was about to face. Here's something from John 16.33. Jesus says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus' faithfulness, his gentleness, and his self-control led him towards suffering and towards the cross. And rather than running away from the trials and the persecutions and sufferings that often accompany faithful obedience, think of how Jesus ran towards them. Jesus overcame the world. And because Jesus has, so can we. Here's a real quick summary of what I shared with you this morning. To summarize... If we plant ourselves in Jesus, in his presence, then we can have a stronger relationship with God, healthier relationships with each other, and a more powerful witness and effect upon the world around us. But the question is, will we let the Holy Spirit pour into us the grace of God in Christ Jesus? Why not ask? Let me pray for you, please. Lord Jesus, I praise you and thank you for the amazing ways uh, that you overcame, that you chose all those qualities to model and to live by, and you did it perfectly. You made a way for us. And so, Lord Jesus, right now we offer ourselves to you and I declare, Lord, um, along with my brothers and sisters in here, I need your help. I need your power to live each day in a way uh, that draws attention to your character over mine. I bless you and praise you that you make your spirit and the spirit's power available to spring up into beautiful fruit within our lives. May the Lord bless you with his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.